When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, theology, and I answered them as best I could with the stuff rattling around inside my head and hopefully some of what I've learned from my study of Holy Scripture and theology and church history. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I normally take questions and try to answer them. Today we're going to depart from the normal procedure on the Dear Padre podcast. We should probably name it the Padre cast instead of Dear Padre, because I won't be doing question and answer, but starting a serial podcast called Death of His Godly Ones, A Double Murder in the Heart of Purity Culture. The sun is going down in the horizon, Lindsay wrote in a notebook in August 2004. All I see is the beam shining on the cliff face, and I know that God is awesome. I look around and I see his creation all around me. Jason then wrote, As I stir this mac and cheese, I think to myself, what a wonderful life. I've just spent two awesome days with my fiance, Lindsay. Can life ever be so perfect? Only with a person who is so great. God gives me this privilege in life, and he has given me a wonderful woman to enjoy it. In a few hours, they would be both dead, shot at point-blank range in the head as they slept on the beach. Jason Allen and Lindsay Cutshaw were just a few days away from their wedding and had taken a weekend trip away from their duties at Rock and Water, a Christian river adventure camp in Northern California. They had driven Jason's 92 Ford Tempo from the camp to San Francisco where they saw the Golden Gate Bridge and bought a bottle of Tabasco sauce at Fisherman's Wharf. They had ended up in the tiny beachside town of Jenner. They had asked for an open room at the local inn, August 14th, the night they were likely killed. The motel didn't have any vacancy, so they went to the Fishhead Beach where a sign was posted that it was illegal to camp there. They set up their sleeping bags next to each other that night on the sand beneath the bluffs of the secluded beach. They slept, their Bibles next to them, surrounded by charred driftwood from old fires, a nearby hut haphazardly made of driftwood by an earlier visitor had fanciful drawings of dragons and the devil's face. Sometime that night, or no, Sean Gallen stood over their sleeping bodies. He fired his forty-five caliber Marlin lever-action rifle into Jason's head first. Lindsay awoke immediately at the sound, sat up, and Gallen shot her in the head. It would be fifteen years before Gallen would be brought to justice and convicted of this crime. Until then, the police would search for the killer, following hot lead after hot lead, all of them growing cold. I met Jason at Appalachian Bible College when I was his resident assistant, a kind of hall monitor responsible for keeping order in the dormitory wing where he lived with his roommate. He was quiet and reserved with me, maybe because I was constantly harping on him to get a haircut. Hair standards for men at this Bible college were close to military standards, and I was in the Marine Corps Reserve at the time. Hair could not touch the collar of the shirt or go over the ears, no beards, but mustaches were allowed. I recall Jason's sideburns being so long, I could never tell if he was growing a beard or not. When I heard about the murders in 2004, my first thought was one I'm terribly ashamed of, but it was one that came to me from years of Bible college and fundamentalist conditioning. The thought was, They were sleeping together just before they were married. 
I'm ashamed now that I thought that, given that they had just been murdered in cold blood and the killer was still on the loose. Appalachian Bible College in the late 90s, when Jason and I attended there, was steeped in what has become known as purity culture. The regulation of young people's sexuality is nothing new in human history. But in the early 90s, when I was in high school, the abstinence-only purity culture movement got seriously organized. In 1993, the Southern Baptist-backed program True Love Waits brought 100,000 purity pledge cards to the National Mall to display them, cards that had been signed by young people that they would abstain from sex until marriage. Around the same time, my mother gave her sons the book Passion and Purity by Elizabeth Elliot. It was a call not only for sexual abstinence before marriage, but it gave us strategies for how to avoid falling into all kinds of sexual sin, mainly by not kissing before marriage. Josh Harris's since-renounced blockbuster, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, was another staple of the movement. Still a teenager when he wrote it, he advocated courting, a parentally involved dating method to ensure sexual purity that dating just couldn't give. Purity culture was not just about abstaining from sex. It was about creating a culture that reinforced sexual abstinence on everyone, no matter what. Appalachian Bible College was steeped in this culture. Purity rings, rings given to daughters by their fathers, as the daughters made promises to remain sexually pure until marriage, were the common artifact of this culture. When I attended, only juniors and seniors could date off campus in the same car, Freshmen and sophomores had to double or get a chaperone. There were strict curfews for students to be back in their respective genders' dorms and hand-holding and all their physical contact was punished with a system of carefrontation. Demerit slips your friendly resident assistant would issue to offending parties. Get too many of these carefrontations and you're on your way to the dean's office to discuss it and probably have your privileges revoked. I don't know how Jason and Lindsay felt about these rules or purity culture at ABC. Lindsay attended there after my time, and Jason and she met while she was a student and he was a graduate of the college, and he was working as a whitewater rafting guide on the New River Gorge, on the New River. ABC had its own whitewater rafting company and a camp for church and community groups, and many of the students worked there as guides. They were engaged six weeks after meeting in 2002. Both Lindsay and Jason came from church communities who were very much in line with the fundamentalist mentality of ABC. Lindsay's father is the longtime pastor of Fresno Bible Church in Fresno, Ohio. Jason grew up at Emanuel Baptist Church in Holland, Michigan, near his parents' home in Zeeland. Lindsay's father, Chris Cutshaw, in his 2016 book, Wise Parenting Principles from Proverbs, includes numerous references to how they were successful in raising Lindsay and her sister. He describes reading the famous Dr. Spock book and setting it aside for the Bible as the manual to raise his children. Lindsay was hit with a paddle as a child as corrective punishment, a practice Pastor Cutshaw encourages other parents to practice in the book. Throughout the book, sexual purity is constantly referenced. And much of the book's advice centers on how parents can raise their children so they don't fall into sexual immorality, i.e. sex before marriage. Here's a little bit of the book that sort of outlines the goal of purity culture. I think it distills it pretty well. 
When I think about parenting, he says, I can't help but note the contrast between those parents who follow God's word and those who don't. Many of us older parents, now in our grandparenting years, are fully churched and Christianized and therefore well-principled in God's word. Our marriages are intact and thriving. Our children, for the most part, have turned out pretty well, though there are prodigals who refuse to be helped. On the other hand, there are also older parents who are full of the world and its ways and wise only in their own eyes. They have no guidance or wisdom from above, and many of their marriages have disintegrated. Their children are adrift on the sea of worldliness, wandering toward the precipice with little hope of making it to heaven. My purpose in writing this book is to help those who are just beginning this journey to travel it well, with Bible in hand and eyes on the ultimate example of parenting, the all-wise and loving Heavenly Father. The focus on purity culture in Pastor Cutshaw's book was also the focus of ABC. Admitting to having sex was punished, either by expulsion or discipline, I can't remember. Heck, we weren't allowed to go to the movies or listen to most contemporary Christian music because it sounded way too much like rock and roll, which was also forbidden. The issue with the music was always its sensuality, which always drove people towards sexual feelings and actions. There was no dancing at our school. The critique of rock and roll as too sensual and sexual, both Christian rock and secular rock, goes back to the early days of rock music as it emerged in American society. In my youth, I remembered Bill Gothard teaching at Pack Stadium how the anapestic beat, or the beat that goes against the heartbeat, uh, creates sexual desire and lust and is therefore bad for us. Not all purity culture during this era hated CCM, but ABC sure did. If we listen to most current music, we had to do it in secret, in the privacy of our cars as we drove to our part-time jobs. In my mind, as a product of purity culture myself, I know the parents who raised us in it loved us. They also had fears, like all parents do. I feel like parents who embrace purity culture let their fears displace their love without knowing it. Given the pressure from fundamentalist leaders at the time, it was hard to escape the fear. Perhaps it was a backlash against the permissiveness of the 60s that our parents had witnessed or something else. But whatever it was, it affected every area of our lives. In the next episode, I'll tell you about an early suspect in the murders, a man who killed a young unmarried couple on a beach because he disapproved of their immorality. If you're someone that knew Lindsay or Jason and are grieving their loss, as, as I certainly am, I would like to talk to you and interview you uh, for this podcast, either on the record or off the record. I'd love to hear your memories of them. Uh, many of these memories are well documented in newspaper articles and magazine articles and on blogs as well, um, which are my main sources of my knowledge of their lives. But I would love to hear from some of you that knew them and still miss them and love them.